KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you until noon. And we've got a busy, busy, busy program today, particularly uh, in the first hour. Uh, yesterday, while we thought we were going to have a Stanley Cup champion join us, that had to be bumped back a week. But today we've got an Olympic gold medalist who's going to be uh, in studio today, Michelle Carter. Part uh, she uh, won the in Rio the 2016 Summer Olympic Games, the first American woman ever to win the shot put event. She will join us. Of course, she is in town as so many uh, world class world class athletes are uh, for the uh, events taking place downtown. Well, Drake Stadium, close enough. The United States Track and Field Outdoor Championships taking place uh, right here in our backyard. Uh, Michelle Williams, who, by the way, Trent, what a family. Yes. Pops won three Super Bowls, all with the Niners. He also won a silver medal in shot put. Um, nineteen eighty four L.A. Olympics. So pretty good, pretty good family, right? Yeah, Dad has been her coach, her only coach throughout her nice shot put career, which is kind of surprising, right? You know, you, you yeah, kinda, but he you won a up... silver medal though. Yeah, guy knows what he's talking about. Right. Um, yeah, I've mentioned that uh, th- dinner table at Thanksgiving, right? There's a gold medalist on one side of the table. There's Dad at the end. I'm assuming his three Super, Super Bowl, Bowl rings and a silver medal around his neck, and everybody else is kind of uh, maybe not living up to it. <laughs> anyway, she's going to join us. Look forward to uh, having her uh, in studio. Have you ever thrown a shot put in your life? I have not. I have very poorly. Uh-huh, I'm not surprised at that yes, part of it. Yes, at least you have screwing around, you know, in track practice in middle school and. Everybody goes out there, and yeah. yeah, that was that was for the big guys. That's what they were doing. Us, uh, yeah, five foot six, not a whole lot of power, not exactly the not, built, not, not the recipe for, that for, each, yeah. for each shot put thrower. <laughs> Indeed, you know what? There, I'm going to ask you this question: What part? Which muscle group is more important? Legs, got legs, be, right? Yes, yeah, because that's where you generate mm-hmm. all your power, I would assume. And then in your arm, would it be the tri tricep? I, would, I don't. I bet it is. Well, if anybody will know, it'll be here not just because she's an Olympic athlete, but also a uh, kinesiology major oh, I didn't at know the that. University of Texas. Wow. So she understands the physics of what goes into it, too. <laughs> yeah, how about Pretty that? Pretty smart, huh? No, indeed. Looking forward to speaking with her, Trent. Yes. I am. I, I'm um, never spoken to a, somebody who has thrown a shot put for, for a living, and I don't know if I've ever had an Olympic gold medalist in studio. So uh, yes. for those two things, uh, amongst others, I'm certainly looking forward to speaking with Michelle Carter. She'll join us here. By the way, on Twitter, she's at ShotDiva. At Shot Diva uh, on Twitter. She'll be in studio in about 10 minutes. Uh, coming up on the program, we'll talk Big 12 with Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports, the Hawkeyes in the Big 10 uh, with our buddy Tom Cakert. Look forward to doing that. Hawkeye Report. Bama Bob Trent and I will go around college football and then we'll do the Claxons. By the way, if you're a regular listener, A, thank you. Uh, and B, you participated in Claxons last week. We have not been able to get around to correcting last week. We promise we will do so right after the show. Yeah, I'll get it done right after the show. So And alert the two winners by... I'll well, call them. Yeah. yeah, by 1 as, o'clock early yeah. afternoon. Yep, I, I always give them a call. And normally I have, as you know, my trusty notebook. That's where I put our predictions every week. Don't uh, tell me. 
Well, I didn't have that notebook in Chicago. Oh, good. I thought you were going to say you lost it. No, no. So I wrote them down, but I wrote them down on a piece of paper, one of the you know many pieces of paper we got in Chicago last week. Yeah, we did, right. As I was cleaning out the backpack, though, when I got home from Chicago. Those never made it out of my hotel room. <laughs> ah, yes. Well, that one got thrown away. So I'm just going to have to go back. Luckily, we have a great system. Yeah. We can go back. We go can back listen to everything. Check the air check. And uh, I will... Listen to it after the show and then squirt and let the two winners know who you are. Indeed. All right. A couple of things, Trent. For, for, for starters, you're, the, the Twins just um, kicked butt and took name and Nelson Cruz and what a night. And yeah. Barrios was terrific. Jolito's now lost, I think, his last three decisions have gone in the loss column for him. Um, he's had a great year. I mean, yeah. what, what, I, I what a turn. No, I, I don't think it's so. It's a young either. guy going yep. through his first full season. Mm hmm. These kind of bumps are going to toss happen. in an all-star appearance yes. as he pitches an inning in there, and uh, you know was a little nervous early, but settled right down. Uh, he will be fine. They'll get Kopech back next year as yeah, he's sitting out point. this season. Good point. Yeah, know, but speaking good of shape. that, is Severino out for the year for the uh, for the Yanks? Do you know? I, I do think not he know. is. Yeah, I think he is, but I, I could be mistaken. All right, last thing, uh, and then Michelle Carter is going to join us, and uh, she just walked in soon. I, again, I'm looking very forward to speaking with her. The basketball last night. The last thing I thought. I would be doing on a Thursday night in July, honestly, yep. was was paying as close attention as I did to watching an event that I didn't know, I knew very little about. Right, but it's Iowa United, and by the way, what a great name! The Aftershocks, it's a really good one. Uh, Wichita State, man, they had some dudes, didn't they? They've I, had some dudes. When over I was the years. looking at the roster before the event began, I yeah. said, "Boy, this Iowa team—they got a tall, tall hill they to climb do. here." And then There's no Pfizer, dudes. no Jock. Yep. Who else? Dayton's was, only played uh, like one or two minutes right, in the right basketball game. Right at the end of the game. half is all they were able to mm-hmm. get out of him. So they were depleted a little bit, you know. But it was one of those games. Well, they had the big lead in the second half. The end of the third quarter really hurt them so much. But you also couple that with what you saw, and inside, you know, just how big of a, a, an effect there was on that one. That was certainly something. Great game, though. Really entertaining. It was fun, Trent. I wish they would have won because I was looking forward to watching I, the next game. Yes, exact same way. Fun crowd, too. Yeah, they were They put it. it in a really good place, putting in Wichita. That yeah. certainly helped. So it, it was fun. Disappointing that they fell, but a really cool idea. And now going forward to the basketball tournament, I hope this continues I this Iowa United team. I think next summer we're going to be more into it. I certainly know and, I will be. And talking more about it leading into it. No question about it. I felt we shortchanged it after what I watched yes. last yep. night. All right, let's talk, well, track and field. And we've got a gold medalist in our presence uh, in, in 2016 at Rio, uh, Michelle Carter. Was it your final throw, Michelle, that you clinched it on? That's unbelievable that uh, that it happened that way. So I want to talk about the. I want to talk a lot about about you know what it takes to do what you do and how you got to this point and your yes. family and, and your dad and just the success that he has had. Because um, I've never spoken to anybody that throws a shot in, in before, and <laughs> and this will be this will be educational for me uh, as well. So go back to Rio. And this that was the third Olympic Games that you participated in. Did you have yes. a chance to march in the opening ceremonies? No, I didn't. Uh-oh. Not on this one. Did you have you have in the past though? I have. The one I marched in was in 2012 at Linden. Mm-hmm. It was my second Olympic Games. Right. How about the closing ceremonies? Have you taken part in that? In London I did. did and you? in um, Beijing in 2008 on my first one I did. Is there does one mean more than the other? I mean the opening ceremonies, the enthusiasm, the the great unknown when it's all said and done you're watching in the closing ceremonies you know your events so is what does one mean more to me the opening ceremonies is 
everything. Okay. Because before everything starts, you know you're on the team, but the minute you walk down and they call Team USA and the yeah. whole stadium is cheering for you, that's when you know it's real. Reality that's when sets I'm like, in, huh? Oh man, like I'm on the Olympic team. Like here I am. Like oh my goodness, I couldn't believe it. And I just remember in 2012, just trying not to cry. Like dang, really? I'm here again. Because yeah. I didn't do it in 2008 because mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure I preserved my energy and my body. Right. But in 2012, I wanted to do everything. So why couldn't just just schedule wise Rio didn't work out for either of the uh, of the ceremonies? No, because uh, for me, well, opening ceremonies is a long day. Okay. And you want to be smart about how you use your energy and mm-hmm. use your body. And I didn't want to risk it because I was coming off of an injury that I had earlier that year. Mm. And my body is my job, so I had to make the right decision. So I decided not to walk in opening ceremonies because you're on your feet for like hours on hours on hours and I couldn't afford it. Hmm. Interesting. Trent? Michelle, uh, I'm Trent back, back over here. So Hi. You, uh, you get to have the choice. Is this every Olympic athlete gets the choice if they want to march? Is it just a select few that get the opportunity? How does Team USA kind of come to that process? Every athlete who makes a team gets the choice. Okay. Now, some teams, because, you know, all the sports have their own team pretty much. Mm-hmm. Now, some teams are just not allowed to just because the coaches decide, like, oh, we're not going to do it. Cause because it's too close to the event. Yeah, because some mm-hmm. people start like we have opening ceremony day is that one day. Then the next day, the Olympic Games start. So it doesn't make sense for you to walk into opening ceremonies and you could compete the very next day. Yeah, like course. That is not wise. Right. I, I guess not. <laughs> you know, we, we were talking when we were previewing that you're coming in studio and trying to figure out Trent has thrown a shot before. I've not ta- well. Not yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> I've taken lots of shots, but I had, had a hockey stick in my hand growing up in Canada. Oh, so wow, that's my yeah. that's as close to a shot as I've taken. So body part legs more important for what you do i'm assuming right yes, that's where legs are everything yeah, legs that's, are everything that was the one thing i had in high school was legs mm. <laughs> um in high school i couldn't even do a push-up barely really and i threw the shot put 54 feet 10 inches and set a national girls high school record <laughs> and i couldn't do a push-up and people did not believe me right but my dad always taught me your power is in your legs this mm-hmm. is the biggest muscle on your body this is what you use to get that shot put out there so how about your arms i'm assuming tries tries Triceps is important in your arm as anything yeah, or no? Yeah, tricep is important. You want to make sure like your chest is, you know, good. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to have, to be honest, you really want to have good overall strength. Okay. Because all these muscles work together because you have to transfer the power from the bottom to the top. So if my legs are strong, but my core is weak and my arms are strong, I'm not going to get all that power because it's going to fail a little bit because my abs couldn't handle all that power. Gotcha. Or if I, my legs are strong and my core is strong, but then my arms aren't that good, then I won't have the power that I need to really finish off the power that I had from my legs. So you want to make sure you're just overall strong um, to handle that power and to finish the throw all the way through. So do you train? How many days a week do you train? Four or five days a week? or Yeah, it- right now, four. Mm-hmm. When I was a little younger, <laughs> um, <laughs> I would actually... Um, you're in your early 30s, days. right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm, how old am I? Oh, I'm 33. I'll be 34 this year. <laughs> okay. So, um, will you, and I'm, I'm assuming Tokyo's the goal, right? So you yes, want to get back one more time. I do. So th- this is a big event. I'm not minimizing it one bit, but I have to, th- I have to think that someone in your position, the Olympics is where it's at, right? And it, it, it is that the goal? Everybody, your goal every four years is to, is to win an Olympic medal. True. Yeah, it is. So, so that's the main thing. Right. So training wise, will you do an extra rep or, push yourself a little bit harder leading up to the Olympics and when do you kind of 
you know, taper off your training because, you, or, or do you prior to the Olympics? Yeah. Um, because we work in four-year cycles. The mm-hmm. year before the Olympics and the year after the Olympics, we have world championships. So we kind of go hard for three years. And this kind of starts that three-year cycle because this year we have nationals here, which mm-hmm. take us to world championships. So, of course, you want to be in shape and be ready for that. But then you want to also take that momentum from that year into next year. Because the goal is is the Olympics, but that's not the only goal you have. Right. You have these check marks along the way. And so with that, we have the um, get ready for the Olympics. So I kind of just take a little bit of time off after world championships. And then it's like, okay, now I'll go back into my off-season training. And then depending on um, when the Olympics, you kind of like schedule when you're going to start tapering off for that. Because if you taper off too early – it's not too good, or if you go too hard too long, then you won't be refreshed enough to compete your best by the time the Olympics gotcha. get there. Michelle, I'm sure a lot of people know your father for his days playing for the 49ers and what he did. Also a silver medalist in the shot put in the 84 Olympics. Yeah. But he's been your only coach throughout your career. I mean, has there been tough times? There are ever times you say, you know what, i got to fire my dad. I, I need to go a different direction. <laughs> no. How's it been having him as your coach? <laughs> Sometimes you go in there and be like, I love my dad. I love my dad. I love my dad. <laughs> but, no, he, I mean, it's just like, it's for a long time, my dad always tell me, like, look at me as your coach. I'm not your dad. I'm like, I can't do that. You yeah. were my dad first. But over time, just um, realizing that he wants the best for me. And he's pushing me to be my best because he sees something in me that I don't see in myself yet. Mm. And so having that vision from him and him like pushing me to be my best because he sees it in me, eventually I bought into the vision. Because I'm like, oh, I start to see glimpses like, oh, I actually am pretty good. Oh, I can be great. I'm like, you know what, Dad, you're right. And so then when I accepted that I could actually do this, then I started pushing myself training-wise to be the best. And that's when my dad was like, okay, she finally got it. And we started to get along a little better. Nice, nice. <laughs> Michelle Carter's our guest. You can follow her on Twitter, at ShotDiva. Her yes. website is also ShotDiva.com. Some terrific information. Uh, you've got a really nice website. Whoever Thank created you. for you did, did a really nice job. Michelle Carter uh, in studio. Studio with us. Where's your gold medal? I didn't bring it today. Do, do, do you um, <laughs> take it out and look at it every now and then, or just put it away and just? I put it away. It's, yeah. uh, it's away. Like I want to keep it safe. I don't sure. want anything to happen to it. But I pull it out when like I'm doing appearances or going mm-hmm. to go speak, and they ask me to bring it. And then when I pull it out, I'm like, dang, I have a big gold medal. Like yeah. this is mine. Indeed. And you're the only. And I think I read this: the only American woman to win a gold in this event since it was yes. first introduced in the Olympics. And for that's got to mean a little bit more to you, I would assume. I mean, just the first and about only. It. Yeah, because the only other person who won a medal in the Olympics in the women's shot put for Team USA is Erlene Brown in 1960, and she won bronze. Okay. And so just knowing that it's been that long since an American woman has been able to get on that podium and that I was the first to get gold, I mean, it doesn't just like do something for me. I just look at all the women that I inspire um, who didn't know that they can do what I do or didn't know that... It took me 20 years to get that medal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my first go around. Mm-hmm. Like I stuck with it because I believed in myself so much and just 
giving that inspiration to others like listen sometimes it doesn't happen the it doesn't happen the first second you know maybe even the third time but if you really believe in yourself and you're willing to put the time and the effort into it that whatever goal you have you can get it done tell us about the olympic village leading up to the event and then after is it just a huge relief and i'm not saying that you you know let your hair down and you can tell athletes that are their events come and gone because they're acting entirely differently the pressure is off them what's the olympic village experience like I feel like the Olympic experience is almost like, I want to say almost like college, but on steroids a little bit. (laughs) Just because you're there and you have athletes from all over the world and all different ages, but you know when someone's getting ready for game day. Mm, Like just how if you were in the athlete's dorm and then you could tell when people had games because they would go to bed early and their mindset is just different. But then you also have the other group. They're done. They're ready to go party. So it's just like you have these two groups, but then everybody's respectful of everybody's experience because we know like you waited like four years for this moment and here you are just because you're done or didn't you know didn't do as well you want to mess up my opportunity we don't have to worry about that there because at the end of the day our goal is to win especially for team usa is we're just as good as our weakest link so even after the olympics those who didn't do as well or didn't do what they wanted to do they still come out and support and encourage everybody else so it's this great atmosphere where you just feel encouraged and inspired to go out there and do your best that first team you were on, LeBron was on the basketball team. D Wade, it was, uh, I think the famous banana boat a- happened shortly afterwards. <laughs> was there ever a wild moment? I mean, I'm sure it's different for you growing up. Dad, an NFL player. I mean, you know, you probably met Joe Montana when you were a little kid. Was it different you compared to some of the other track and field athletes when you got to see the basketball team and things like that? Um, I don't think so because <laughs> I feel like at that moment we're all a celebrity mm-hmm, celebrities yeah. and then it's just the fact that we're all on the same team so at least for me I don't want to bombard them like oh my god I gotta you know because <laughs> they're there to do the same thing I'm doing like right. we're on the same stage trying to do the same thing win for Team USA and of course you know you do want to take pictures with people you don't get to see but at the same time I want to respect their space so they can go out there and do their job too and um which is kind of hard for them because they're like the biggest stars at the Olympics like people you know the, the NBA players mm-hmm. but it's like okay they're here we're here we're all on the same team we have one goal I'm just like them they're just like me michelle carter's our guest last thing for you i i, I was told your event is sunday late in the day six twenty. would you rather i mean what's it like to wait around all day or would you rather like get up and maybe not first thing in the morning but certainly earlier than later in the day when it when it comes to no game day as you refer to it I'm fine with whichever you? day. Yes, okay. I, I'd rather not wake up early because um, <laughs> it gives me time just to kind of wake up. Um, if I'm feeling anything, to stretch and just kind of relax and go over my game plan. Uh, I think when I was younger, I probably would get a little bit more nervous by waiting all day because, yeah. you, you know, you're inside your head. But since I've been here for a little while, I have experience. Yeah. I learned how to relax and just enjoy the process of getting ready and then learning how to turn on the switch when it's time to. And you've been to Drake Stadium before, have you not? Had some oh, success yeah. when you were here, did you not? <laughs> just a little bit, a <laughs> yeah. couple of times. You know, I've been coming here since college. Have you really? Yeah. yeah. So I World remember- record set here? No, American, American record. record. American okay. record. My first time breaking the American record was here at Drake Stadium, and which was a surprise out of the blue because I was sick for like three weeks oh, prior. No. Um, 
And we didn't know what was going on. And I remember my dad was just telling me, you like, you know what? Just go out there and have fun. Yeah. And then to go out there and break the American record. I was like, what? <laughs> this wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. So for me, Drake is always a great place to come to. The crowd is great. The city is great. And I just have a good time when I'm here. Well, welcome back to Des Moines. You can follow her on Twitter at ShotDiva. You can go to her website, ShotDiva.com. She's an Olympic gold medalist, the only woman to ever win a gold medal uh, in the shot put. She did so uh, in Rio in 2016. And we anticipate a year from now you will be in tokyo sound good to you sounds good to me that's the plan indeed good to talk to you michelle carter thank thank you you very much for coming in appreciate it thank you enjoyed this we'll take a time out we'll switch gears going to talk some college football next the big 12 uh, is in the spotlight we're miller and condon on des moines sports station 1460 kx before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 1460 KXNO. That's Bob Costas. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more from 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Fun conversation. Michelle Carter, let's move on and get into college football. What is this? Is it five weeks today? Is that what it is? Four or five? We're getting close. I think it's four, come to think of it. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. We spoke with him uh, just a couple of days before the uh, Big 12 Media Days, and we catch up with him uh, a couple of weeks afterwards. Pete Trenton, Ken in Des Moines, thanks for coming on. How are you, sir? Hey, anytime, guys. It's uh, 36 days, 12 hours, 18 <laughs> minutes, and 45 seconds, but who's counting? Yeah, indeed, right? We're all in that same boat. So uh, let's go back to Dallas, and I guess maybe a couple of your bigger takeaways before maybe we you know, focus in on a couple of the teams. Uh, just your, your thoughts on the conference overall. Did you you know, come away from your couple of days in Dallas thinking that maybe this team's going to be better than I thought, or wow, I didn't see that wart, I forgot about that, maybe this team's going to take a step back. Just a couple of your takeaways, if you would, Pete. Well, it certainly had a different feel. I mean, you had a turnover of, of nearly half the coaches in the conference, Good point. right? I mean, you yep. have new coaches at KU, K-State, uh, West Virginia, and Texas Tech, so there's four guys there who no one really knows outside of their local, local media guys, um, and they don't really know Big 12 Media Day, so... Uh, when you lose guys like uh, Bill Snyder, who's obviously a staple, and Dana Holgerson, who's obviously a, a character, uh, coaching aside, he's an interesting guy to talk to, and a personality like that. And then, you know, the uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who was never the most interesting, but, you know, people flocked to him. Maybe mm-hmm. it was good looks. I don't know. But <laughs> those are guys that people were, were drawn to. And now you had, uh, you know, new guys. And the new guy is the most interesting person, just by uh, the nature of who he is, was Les Miles. 
Les Miles had a disastrous day. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to put it. It was a mess with Les Miles trying to defend the Puka Williams one-game suspension. He didn't feel or look comfortable doing it. He didn't seem like he really wanted to talk about it, which brings up the point of why was Kansas uh, releasing that news a week before media days? They could have waited until the day after. Uh, that was awkward. So that was kind of a takeaway in what is Les Miles. I had Sam Mays, uh, who was a former All-American at Oklahoma State. He's now a radio host down in Oklahoma City. He told me, and he played for Les Miles when Les coached at OK State, and he said to me, you know, I walked up to coach. This is the guy that coached me for my years at Oklahoma State. I was an All-American. I wasn't the last guy on the bench. And he barely remembered me. Wow. He's like, I don't know what the heck's going on with Les Miles, but something's not right there. Because I walked up to him, coach, how you doing? And he was like, it's like I could have been a random guy on the street. Mm. So it did not seem it was not the Les Miles of LSU. And that makes me nervous for KU fans who think that he's going to um, – you know, uh, suddenly turn around this program. The way I might put it is not not to bring politics into it, but we get off this Bob Mueller report of this week in D.C., and regardless of your political affiliation, it was pretty clear Bob Mueller was a figurehead for that project. It feels to me like Les Miles is becoming the figurehead for KU, but he's not going to be the guy that's necessarily doing all the nitty-gritty work that needs to be done to get this program on track. That could work. It could also end up being a disaster for KU. Your first opportunity to hear to the other new coach in the state of Kansas, and that's Chris Kleiman, a guy that we know very well up here. Uh, his days at the University of Northern Iowa before going off to North Dakota State and, uh, of course, uh, taking over for Craig Bull. What did you learn from Kleiman, uh, opportunity to talk with him? And is this the guy? It's always difficult. You never want to be the guy replacing a legend. Is this the guy in your mind that can get it done? Yeah, I, I think he's the perfect guy. To Not saying he can replace the legend, but if anybody can, and, you know, by anybody, I mean anybody realistic. Like, Nick Saban's not going to come to Manhattan, Kansas, and <laughs> right. coach Wildcats, yes. right? He could do it. He's not going to do it. But of the realistic options Kansas State had, um, I love what they did here. I love what their AD Gene Taylor did with this hire. Uh, and the more I hear from Kleiman and talk to him, the more comfortable I get. The guy's a winner. I don't care if it's the FCS. It's football. I mean, you know, it, it, he knows what to do. He's won national championships. He's a grown man. I'd be concerned with the hot shot coordinator uh, or the, you know, hot shot group of five coach coming up here and trying to prove himself and be Bill Snyder or follow in Bill Snyder's footsteps. Chris Kleiman is a grown man. He's been around the block. He's replaced legends before uh, with, with bowl up there at North Dakota state. I don't know if it's going to work. I mean, I think this year, if they get to a bowl game, that's a successful season, but if anybody can do it and follow Bill Snyder and have some success, it's Chris Kleiman. He's recruiting very well for 2020. He's confident. He's not afraid of Bill Snyder's shadow. And I think that's um, incredibly valuable and important for whoever was going to be the next head coach. And I don't, I can't think of a better guy who was a realistic option than, uh, than Chris Kleiman. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports is our guest. Pete, I, I have a feeling that's kind of a different vibe uh, around Iowa State than maybe previous years at these Big 12 media days. Uh, I've, I've, I think it was that three of them, and seemingly the room would not empty out, but if you had if you had a, a deadline or you wanted to make sure you caught up with somebody, you're more than likely to, to walk out of the room when whoever Iowa State's head coach was at the time, and maybe that was the time to catch up because they're, you know, they're going to be either ninth or tenth uh, in the 
conference. For, for the most part, that's where they were for, for so long, as you know. But it's different now. Uh, do you get the sense around Big 12 media days that, that the national media that covers this conference gives the clones more attention than in previous years? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the guy's a top, I would say he's a top 15 coach in America right now. Um, it's not a top 15 program. It's a top 25 program. But you you stack up and go around the country and say, all right, who am I picking if I want to start a program right now? Who, who's the coach? And go around the college football ranks. I guarantee you, for most people that know the sport, Matt Campbell's in the top 15, and you could maybe make an argument for the top 10, but definitely top 15 you got a top 15 coach. No one's going anywhere. People want to hear from him. They want to hear what he has to say. They want to hear his insights. And, you know, Campbell's not always the greatest soundbite per se um, and or the biggest personality, but he's one of those guys where if you listen closely, you realize how much insight and how much information you are getting. It's a little more work, but it's, it's well worth it. And the team's picked to finish third. We had them uh, second, actually, in our Heartland College sports polling. So uh, we predict them to be in the Big 12 championship game. But no one's going anywhere. Um, you know, I know, yes, they've lost some players, of course, from last year's team and, mm-hmm. and you know, big-time playmakers and talent. But you have the most uh, intriguing coach and intriguing program in the conference. Yeah, national media is going to pay attention to you. That middle tier, we're, it feels like we're all still trying to sort it out. TCU, Baylor, maybe a run from one of the new coaches, something like that. I want to get your perspective with Gary Patterson. He brings up six quarterbacks. They're not really running through practice with six guys getting reps, are they? Yeah, that is, uh, that's going to be the interesting storyline. You cut out there, Trent. Did you say TCU you were referring to? Yeah, yeah, TCU and Patterson. Yeah, yeah, no. yep, yep. If they figure out that quarterback situation, they can be the third team in the conference. There's no doubt in my mind they can be the third team in the conference if they figure out the quarterback battle. I'm getting the hunch that Max Duggan, the true freshman, uh, four or five star wow. guys, depending on which which purse which uh, outlet you use for your college football or your high school football rankings, is is possibly going to get that nod because I I caught up with Gary Patterson after during the breakout sessions and I said to him about Max Doug and I said does the fact that he's a true freshman hold him back in this race like if all else is equal do you go with the guy with more experience and he said no because now these guys that are enrolled early they're really not freshmen he said. So that tells me that if all else is equal, he then may play the true freshman because it's like, well, I, I got the guy for four years. You played the younger player then, right? I mean, if, if he feels like that's the way to go, um, then that's what he's going to do. And, and the more I talk to him about it, the more I, I see he's not afraid. And also, when you look at the success in this conference, the guys like Brock Purdy and Alan Bowman, and who had a lot of success as true freshmen last year, uh, Patterson says that doesn't factor into his decision, but how does that not? How can you not look around this conference and say, you know, here are guys who, by the way, I mean, not that rankings are, are everything, but Purdy, I believe, was a three-star, a high three-star, maybe a four-star in some places, and Bowman was a three-star at Texas Tech. Those guys come in true freshmen. They're lighting up the Big 12. If if you think Max Duggan has that ceiling and he proves himself in camp, uh, I think the true freshman could get the nod. Hmm. From right here in, uh, in our state, from the state of Iowa over in Council Bluffs. Council Bluffs, Lewis, right, Trent? Think, uh, Lewis Central. Lewis yeah. Central, right. Um, 
Pete Mundo is our guest. Heartland College Sports, if you're a Big 12 fan, it's an absolute must-stop. I want to ask you about Oklahoma State because they've got a quarterback as well and a quarterback decision. But this kid, Sanders, I believe, is the um, you know got all of those accolades from the state of Texas, which instantly gets your attention. Might Oklahoma State be this team that's going to surprise some people just because you know their quarterback situations may be better than some thought it was going to be? Yeah, uh, it could be. I mean, I don't know if they're going to go with Drew Brown, the Hawaii transfer, or Spencer Sanders, who is the now redshirt freshman. But I'll say this. I mean, they have guys in Chubba Hubbard at running back and Tylen Wallace at wide receiver. Tylen Wallace could be a Blitnikoff Award winner at, at wide receiver for the best wide receiver in the country. And Chubba Hubbard, I mean, if things break right, that's a guy that you could be talking about as, as the top running back in the Big 12. So, you could have the top running back and the top wide receiver duo in the Big 12 Conference. Now, the offensive line has some work to do. We don't know what's going on at quarterback. The defense was bad last year. Jim Knowles has, has got to uh, improve that side of the ball. But, you know, Mike Gundy also made it very clear in media days that he was uh, disappointed in himself last season, which is something coaches don't usually say. But he said, I kind of took my foot off the pedal a little bit. And, that was an honest admission of, of the program last year, and he thought they left some wins on the table. So Mike Gundy has a good program. Uh, the diehards in Stillwater will tell you we should be better based on the money that's been sunken in there, based on the talent pool they have within a three-, four-hour drive in any direction. But still, it's a good program, and I think Mike Gundy prefers being an overlooked team, which is what he's going to be this year. At the top, Oklahoma, and it'll be a new quarterback, Jalen Hurts, most people anticipate, though Lincoln Riley wasn't saying that. 12-2 and two his first two years, goes into year three. If they take a step back, though, if they lose a couple of tight games, don't get to the Big 12 championship game, the way he got that job with Stoops uh, walking away during the summer, would there be any kind of pressure going into year four? Could you see that happening? Um, You know, I, I, I don't think there's going to be much pressure. Uh, you know, that's just me. I think that Lincoln Riley has, I know it's a blue blood program, but I still think he's exceeded expectations. I mean, you handed the reins of a blue blood program to a 30 something year old. And I'm not talking 38, 39. I mean, Lincoln Riley, I think is 34, 35 right now. So you handed it over to him at 32, 33, and he got you two straight highs and winners, two straight big 12 titles and two straight appearances in the college football playoff. Should have been playing for a national title two years ago if he did not take his foot off the pedal against Georgia. That's another story, though. Um, look at what Ryan Day at Ohio State did in his first year. Good year. I mean, not in his first year, but, I mean, he, he filled in, obviously, right. and, and he was uh, part of what was going on there at Ohio State. He's now in charge of the program. But you look at what Lincoln Riley has done for a guy in his early 30s, taking over that program, the stress, the pressure that goes into it, and outside of a national championship, I'm not sure what more you could look for. I don't expect this team to go back to eight, nine wins. If they go 10 and two, get to a Big 12 championship game, maybe win the Big 12, but don't make the college football playoff, I don't think there's going to be any pressure on Lincoln Riley. Now there will next year, there'll be some more, it'll build, but I think he is fine because he's also a guy who. Heck, I mean, there were ties of him to the NFL this yep. past offseason. He's not going to go from an NFL prospect 
to all of a sudden being a guy that you know is is getting picked up off the trash heap because OU doesn't like him anymore. I, I think he's still the guy OU believes in long term. Uh, Pete, we have twenty seconds left. Heartland College Sports uh, for Pete Mundo and the entire crew over there, including a regular guest with us, uh, Matt Postens. Uh, is there a coach on a hot seat in the Big Twelve? I'm not sure that there is. I agree. I, I, I don't think there is right now. I don't. I don't see one anywhere in the conference, frankly. If there's anyone that's going to be on the hot seat, it, it's probably Tom Herman. If he goes back to 66 mm. this season, the Texas fans are going to throw a gasket. So that's <laughs> the only guy, if things go south this year, I could see. Good stuff, Pete. Thank you. Heartland College Sports, if you're a Big 12 fan, it is a must. We'll talk to you down the road, Pete. Appreciate it, as always. Anytime, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, good to talk to you. Pete Mundo on, uh, from Heartland College Sports. Did you see Lincoln Riley, his quote? He was at one of those, you know, fan luncheon type things. No, and what did he say? He got the question, what Big 12 team keeps you up at night? Makes you sleepless, I think, is what they asked him. Well, he should have said Texas, I'm assuming, but what did he say? Quote, every now and then you get asked these questions. In your mind, you go politically correct or tell the truth. So the truth is, none of them. Unquote. <laughs> Good quote. It's going to be in Oklahoma, isn't it? Apparently it is, indeed. All right, Tom Kaker joins the program next. We've done the Big 12. We'll do the Big 10. Uh, Tom Kaker at HawkeyeReport.com. Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. is an addictive chemical. Today, business happens here, here, and virtually anywhere. Because today, innovative companies are reinventing the way business happens. And they need people who can keep up. With the expertise and technology to get packages to over 150 million delivery points. So, who can help you deliver the future of commerce? The United States Postal Service. See why we deliver more e-commerce packages to homes than anyone at USPS.com. Where you get your podcasts. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Mick Jagger, birthday today. He was trending on Twitter. I'm thinking, oh no. Uh, got nervous, huh? I did get nervous, but it's his birthday. So, um, But anytime you see kind of that age yes. group right yeah. on Twitter and they're trending, Jesus. Had the health scare back earlier this he year. Did, absolutely did. All right, Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Let's talk a little bit about Iowa. Tom, good to speak with you. You know where I want to start, and hopefully you had a chance. Did you watch Iowa United and the Aftershocks yesterday? Did you have a chance, Tom, to catch that? I did. I watched the entire game. I mean, and it's weird. I felt like totally invested in it. So and, did I. In a basketball game yes. in late July. Just, you know, it was fun to see those guys and just, you know, it didn't go well at the, right. in the last few minutes. But, um, uh, you know, I thought the, uh, those guys uh, gave a really good account of themselves. And, um, you know, it was fun to see some of those guys out there playing no that really was you know what honestly i felt disappointed that wasn't going to get to see him again and i think it was yesterday morning i learned about the event for the first <laughs> time but it was really good it was really good theater boy jeff horner you know what i know he's got he's getting great tom i mean we all do but it just seems like it hasn't been too long ago since he peeled off that jersey for the final time yeah it was uh 06 it's like 13 years later but coaching will give you gray hair i guess and that's kind of what he's done <laughs> Um, yeah, I, you know, the thing I'll always wonder about, and, and I hope that that team stays 
kind of together or in some form for next year. But boy, if Peter Jock were healthy, I mm. think they win that game. Yeah, I just, I just do. I think that they needed one more shooter, yep. um, and Pete would have. Uh, would have been a difference maker. I yeah, think, M- McGee and Jock and, and not Josh Young. He took, put put up a ton of shots, just weren't falling for him a lot. But anyways, yep. Go Tybee mixing it up in the middle, and yeah. Melson even hitting a three. He was out there. It, it was really an entertaining night, and like yeah, like Ken said, wish it would have been able to continue. Well, now, I'd like seeing Pfizer and Stutz to get in a little bit yeah. after each other because Stutz he's 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 a big dude. <laughs> Tava, speaking of basketball, you had an opportunity earlier this week to talk to some of the newcomers along with. Uh, Jack Nungy coming off a red shirt year. Joe Toussaint now, after maybe some people were breaking away a little bit, you know, how high should the expectations be? He's over six feet. He's adding weight. He's the lightning quick point guard they need. Sounds like people are back in on Joe Toussaint. Yeah, I think everybody's kind of, uh, I feel for the kid because I think the expectation game is getting, mm. going to get uh, a little too high for him. Um, you know, I'd just rather kind of see him play first uh but the big thing for me was standing next to him and he was six foot tall and you know everybody kind of hinted maybe he was like five nine five ten he's legit six foot and um and pretty well put together kid he's not just a a scrawny kid at all and um he's confident and he's got that kind of city feel and it kind of, this team needs that, I think. And the other thing that I took away from it was I, I asked him, I said, who's kind of the guys, uh, the guy that you've developed a really good chemistry with? And he said, without hesitation, Luca Garza. Hmm. And uh, that's kind of what you want to hear is a, a, a big man and his point guard uh, just kind of having that feel for the game with each other uh, right out of the gate. So that's... Uh, I think that's positive for Iowa fans. I know you had an opportunity late in the year to spend some time with Nunji. He was there again this uh, uh, earlier this week. Any further takeaways on him? I think he's got a chance, Tom, to have a significant role on this team. I'm anxious to see. He's a bigger guy now, at least weight-wise, muscle-wise. Uh, I'm anxious to see how that translates to his game uh, as we see him for the first time again, or the next time again in the fall. Yeah, I, I, I thought in his uh, freshman year, even though he was a pretty big kid, he kind of got pushed around a little bit, and uh, and now he's not going to get pushed around. He's going to do the push, and I think he's just a he's really filled out, learned how to play with his body, and use that uh, natural strength to his uh, his benefit. And and he's a kid who can step out and shoot threes too. And uh, uh, I, I think that just adds that element. He told me he wants to kind of stick with the four this year uh, and we'll see how much that happens i think that's probably where he's going to be but uh it gives them that added element you know if you have him and garza on the floor you can almost play like a five out thing at, at times with with those guys because they're both able to shoot the ball from distance tom over to some football and it's a, a big recruiting weekend again not for this upcoming class because that one's basically filled up but for the 2021 class, boy, uh, getting old whenever I say 2021 recruiting class, but here we are. Uh, some local guys of interest certainly going to be there. Jaden Harrell from Urbandale, really good linebacker prospect. He'll be in attendance for that one. Also kid up uh, north from Story City, Zach Tweet, who's an Iowa State commit. He's going to be in town. What can he tell us about that and uh, the expectations? Maybe a couple of commitments after this weekend 
for the 2021 class? Yeah, maybe. Um, it, it's, you know, the calendar just has sped up so, so much uh, in the last uh, couple of years. Um, you know, Harold's a kid who's, you know, get, gotten talked about a lot uh, from Urbandale. Um, you know, he grew up an Iowa fan, so that immediately makes you wonder, well, is he going to end things pretty quickly? Jeff Bowie, the kid from West Branch, who, you know, grows up in the shadow of the Iowa campus and um, just so many ties to West Branch and, and uh, the University of Iowa program. So I, I keep him kind of on the commitment watch. Maybe, uh, you know, Bertie Brecht, uh, the wide receiver from Ankeny. Yeah. Um, yeah, another kid who's an Iowa fan, um, that always piques your interest. And, and a guy that um, I know Blair Sanderson talked to, um, Karan uh, Montgomery, uh, a defensive end out of uh, Indianapolis, who has kind of hinted maybe there's you know something going with him in Iowa. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll see if uh, if that uh, pays dividends as well. Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com, Trent. Uh, Brody Breck, speaking to him, I got to see him pitch Wednesday night for Ankeny as they upset Roosevelt to go to state. Threw a no-hitter, four innings. Did he really? Yeah. Uh, he's he's a really good baseball prospect, too. A six-four wide receiver. He can play baseball. He can play football. He's going to be a high-end prospect. Take it away, Kent. Uh, he has a, he has a, he's a baseball offer yeah. from Iowa, too. Oh, yep. does he really? Yeah. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Tom Caker's our guest. Tom, uh, this time last week we were all in Chicago. Just uh, you know, one one or two of your takeaways. Um, maybe one on Iowa and then one on the uh, on the Big Ten West, if you would. Do you have one of those? Uh, a little bit. Um, I, a couple things I would say. Uh, Iowa, just the overall the, the togetherness of this team going into the season, just seems to be um something that's that's worth monitoring it's just it just seems like an incredibly tight team and they've worked on that um you know kind of as a purpose with the leadership group and and uh that that can carry you uh fairly far i think at times in a season so um i i just like their their mental approach and the togetherness of the team uh big 10 west um well really just big 10 in general Two things I would come away with. Uh, one, Jim Harbaugh is just one of the strangest birds you'll ever see. Um, he's just, and the the poking at Urban Meyer when Urban's no longer there. Just yeah. you know the Oliver Martin stuff and the the transfer stuff uh, was interesting. And then uh, I, I throw Coach Fitz in there when his his comment uh, just taught, in general about society and just. Talking about how his wife, he and his wife, were out to dinner mm-hmm. and and saw four younger people eating dinner together, uh, two couples, and not even talking, and all of them just looking at their phones. <laughs> uh, you know what else? Microcosm of society. It, yes, indeed, yes. it is. You know, one more trip before I jump in here. Uh, Fleck praising Coach Doyle. Yes. You mean yeah. you seldom hear another coach from another school at an event like that where everybody's going to pick up on it praising a coach at another school like that time. That was that was that was weird because I just kind of happened to be walking by there and like oh, I'm going to listen to PJ for a couple minutes and just heard that part about he was just praising you know so they went to coach reached out to coach Doyle and asked him for a recommendation and um and called Doyle the best strength coach in the country mm-hmm. and I just I thought that was really interesting that he did that. I know a lot of people kind of hate PJ uh, just because he's 
he's so over the top most yeah. of the time. But um, uh, but that was a pretty interesting moment. Indeed, it is. Uh, it's going to be an interesting year for that program too. After all, they are the are soon to be right, Trent. Champs. The champs of the Big Ten West. Yeah, they'll, they'll tie Iowa. I will have the tiebreaker. We'll see. That's how I got it. Going to be a hell of a fight. Going to be a hell of a race, no doubt about it. Tom Caker, when's media day for the Hawks? August uh, 9th. Uh, oh, it's a ways off there. Players report, yeah, the players report on August 1st and first practices August 2nd. Good stuff, Tom. We'll talk to you a week from today. Thank you, my friend. Okay, thanks, guys. Yep, good to talk to you. Tom Caker, HawkeyeReport.com. Uh, final hour of the week's coming up next. Miller and Condon with you. Claxon's Barbecue to give away as well. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. KXNO Des Moines. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. The Iowa United basketball team blew a nine-point second-half lead as they fell on the road to the Aftershocks, 85-76 from Wichita. The team comprised of former in-state players from the state of Iowa go down in the $2 million winner-take-all basketball tournament. Former Iowa State Cyclone Tyrus McGee led the